This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us are here. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to another edition of the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Paul Pertichese, and thank you for joining me as always. The Saturday to Sunday Tier Buster Series continues today as I will be talking about the 2022 tight end class. If you missed it a few days ago, I kicked off the Tier Buster Series talking about the 2022 quarterback class. Tonight I'll be breaking down the tight end class in great depth, breaking down my tiers. How are my guys ranked inside of my tiers? I went to the the tight end position next because I'm still – trying to kind of sort out the running backs and the wide receivers, a lot more film to catch up on at those positions than the quarterback and tight end landscape. So I started with those two positions, buy myself a little bit more time. Next week I will put out the wide receiver and the running back tier buster shows prior to the NFL combine. And then the NFL combine will preview that. And then lots of recaps uh, for every single day of the NFL combine. So. Let's kick right into gear. Remember, the tiers that are created for this are exclusively to Saturday to Sunday. We made these tiers up. It's really a three-pronged attack. It's our film analysis, NFL draft projection, and also a dynasty fantasy projection kind of all morphed into one. Some don't necessarily always perfectly align with each other, especially at the tight end position because we know certain guys can be drafted high but not maybe be very fantasy relevant, but we've, we've done our best to try to morph our film evals, our projection in terms of where we think they're going to get drafted and where we think they should get drafted, and then the dynasty fantasy spin as well. So similar to the quarterback episode, I'll start by kind of classifying what makes up my tiers and then tell you who from the tight end class fits that tier if there is anybody. So first things first, let's get right into it. The first tier for tight ends is guys that we look at and we think they are first round type prospects. So the tight end position is early is first or early second round selection. We've kind of expanded it to include early second because we know some years there isn't a Kyle Pitts. There isn't a guy, you know, a clear cut TJ Hawkinson type who we know is a locked and loaded for round one or early round two. This is a guy who we think would be a late one to early to mid second in dynasty rookie drafts capability to be a complete tight end or create mismatches regularly as a pass catcher. And usually this is where I would say this is who is in my tier. But for today, I don't have anybody in tier one. It's the first time I can remember since doing Saturday to Sunday that I have an empty tier. I didn't want to juggle the tiers up and change the categories to fit this year's draft class. We want this to be from year to year, something that, yeah, we tweak things here or there, but not wholesale changes to what makes up these tiers. So for me, there's nobody in this class that I believe warrants a first or early second round selection in the NFL draft. Nobody who I think is going to go in late one to the early part of round two in standard, you know, dynasty rookie drafts. If it's two tight ends or tight end premiums, maybe something could be a little bit different, but not in standard one tight end type dynasty leagues. 
I don't look at this class and think there's anybody who right now I look at as a fully complete tight end who I think is going to create mismatches regularly as a pass catcher. So that warrants going at the top of the real draft or in a rookie draft. So if we kind of take this to the next tier, these are guys who I think are mid round two to round three NFL draft selections in dynasty rookie drafts. I think anywhere from mid round two to somewhere in round three, they could come off the board if they are receiving tight end. We classify this tier as tight ends who possess several average to above average traits to contribute immediately to the passing game and at least be functional as a blocker. On the flip side, or they display functional adequate receiving ability, but very good to great blocking capabilities. Now, I think we've gone to the point in the NFL where we don't see too many guys projected to go on day two who are just functional pass catchers, but great blockers. I think those guys just naturally get pushed down to day three. But if there's ever a guy who really stands out as only an average blocker, I mean, average pass catcher, but an elite you know, blocker, I could see them going somewhere around three. So we wanted to leave that door open for maybe there's a guy who, while not fantasy relevant, could go in the top 100 picks, could go on round two or round three if they're an exceptional blocker. If you want to think of somebody, think of somebody like Daniel Graham from years ago. He was a guy who I don't think anybody ever thought was going to be a great receiver. I thought that, I think most people thought he was going to be an average receiver, but he was looked at as a great blocker. And that's why you know, he got pushed up as high as he did in the NFL draft. Like I said, I, I think the landscape of the NFL has changed too much that I don't think we'll ever see a guy like Daniel Graham go as high as he did again, whose, you know, best attribute is his blocking skills. I, I just don't think we'll see that again. But that's kind of what makes up our tier two. And that's kind of where I get into it a little bit here with this tight end class for me. For me, there's four guys that I've classified in tier two, and that's Jalen Weidemeyer out of Texas A&M, Jeremy Ruckert out of Ohio State, Isaiah Likely out of Coastal Carolina, and Trey McBride out of Colorado State. Let's start with Trey McBride because I think this is the one that will create the most talking points, the people raising their eyebrows the most. A lot of people seem to think Trey McBride is the clear-cut tight end one in this class. Warren's going late round one to early round two, and I'm just not there I don't think I'm going to get there unless he does something at the combine that really is completely shocking and then forces me to go back to the film. And I see things that I just haven't seen with him, whether it be on film, whether it be at the senior bowl, et cetera, et cetera. And it's impossible not to talk about Trey McBride like this. And people think that I dislike him. And, And that's the furthest from the truth. I think Trey McBride is a good tight end prospect. I've thought he's been a solid tight end prospect since the summer. When I watched him on the summer, I thought he was a round four guy. I thought he was a day three guy. I could understand now after seeing another productive year, I think he's got a little bit more athleticism than I, than I, maybe I gave him credit for in the summer. But to me, he's still a tier two tight end for me. He's still a day two guy, and he's not an early day two guy. I think he's a guy that's, that belongs going late round two, but more likely should go somewhere on – you know, the early to to late part of round three. I think for him, he's kind of like in that like 55, 60 to like 80 range. And that's kind of what I feel about all of these tight ends in this tier. I don't really think anybody warrants going in the first two rounds. I don't think there should be a single tight end who goes in the first two rounds. 
You know, I look at that, at a guy where Pat Fryermood went, yeah, maybe he should have been drafted higher. I get that. But I don't think anybody is even on the same stratosphere in terms of Pat Fryermood, who went in round two. Obviously, there's no athletic profiles like a Kyle Pitts or an OJ Howard or an Evan Ingram or David Njoku. It's just a completely different type of class. So for me, I, I like Trey McBride. I like the size. I like the frame. I like the physicality, the toughness. I think he's great at the catch point. I think he uses his size and physicality to create space in his routes and at the catch point. But everything's at the catch point. There's never any separation. And I think when the level of competition goes from Colorado, the teams that Colorado State face to the NFL, there's going to be a lot of separation concerns. So unless he surprises me with a time at the 40 at the Combine, I, I think he's being talked about too highly right now. I think he's going to run like a four seven five or something like that. I think he should go at the earliest late round two. I feel much more comfortable somewhere in round three. I think he could be a good, solid, functional uh, starter at the next level. I don't know if he ever could be a mid tight end one. I think maybe you know situationally he you know we could we see lots of guys who can be late tight end ones or you know low tight end ones is probably the better way to classify it could mcbride be that one time sure i think there's much more of a chance though that he's like a high tight end too to be honest with you uh because i do have some athletic and some separation concerns uh i know i just was listening to dame ruler and lanzerline who love their podcast you know love their perspective on all things the nfl draft two of the best in the industry and dame ruler had trey mcbride at 60 and to me that's much more where to me, the earliest he should be going in that 55 to 60 range. I have a really hard time when people are thinking early thirties, late round one, even early round two. To me, this is a guy whose talent warrants going late round two to somewhere on round three. And that's why McBride's in my tier two for me. And he's not even at the top of that tier for me. I'm more intrigued by some of the other guys who I like their athletic profile a little bit better. A guy like Jalen Wattemeyer, I don't think he is an athletic freak or anything, but I, I do think he, I like him a little bit better than Trey McBride. And at that point, you know, I think once upon a time it was looked at pretty universally like that, but you know, especially before the year started, but you know, he's six, five, two We'll see about official measurements at the combine, but you know, while he lacks explosiveness too, but I, the size and frame is ideal. I think he's got good athleticism and movement skills for his size, very good hands and body control, good route runner, uses his frame to create space at the catch point, wins contested catches. So I don't really see something that Trey McBride has on film that Weidemeyer doesn't have, and he did it in the SEC for Texas A&M. So I prefer Wattemeyer to Trey McBride. It sounds like McBride's going to go before him in the draft, and that's fine. And, and you know, I think they're, I don't think they're a wide separation. I think they both are guys who should be in that late second round to, you know, mid to late third round. I think that's where both of these guys go. I don't think their skill sets are all that different. I think there's some athleticism in terms of explosiveness and separation quickness, you know, that is – you know, legitimate for both of them. I, I think, you know, separation and speed concerns are are both for both of these guys. So, but I just prefer Wattemeyer a little bit right now. I'm still continuing to try to find more film on Trey McBride to see if I'm missing anything because there's so many people that I do respect their opinion a lot that do have him as a clear tight end one. But even if he is a tight end one, because I think these guys, there's a razor thin margin between the four guys I have in tier one here. So I can understand any of them going first, second, third, and fourth. To me, I I just don't see the the round one or the early round two. I just 
in a class that while it's lacking the elite level talent at the top, it's very deep at positions like offensive tackle and edge rusher that I just don't believe a guy like McBride warrants going early round two. Like I said, Wattermeyer is a guy who I think should go on day two, somewhere probably in round three, uh, you know, similar skill set to McBride. I like him a little bit better. The other two guys to me are the most intriguing. And I think they offer the most upside of this. So if you're just shooting for upside and if you're shooting for fantasy, see, I much more would pivot to likely and Ruckert because those are the guys that I think could have the highest ceiling in terms of pass catching upside, could have the highest ceiling in terms of fantasy and potentially the most untapped potential and upside, you know, in this tight end class in general, you know, likely, obviously big step up in competition coming from coastal Carolina to playing at the next level. But I like the athleticism he offers the, the route running chops that he has, his ability to attack the scene, get vertical, make plays after the catch. So to me, he's a guy that in round three, if you're looking for a pass catching tight end, I, I think he, he gives good effort as a blocker, but that's not going to be a strong suit. But I, I look at a guy like Likely, and to me, he's a guy who could be an intriguing prospect at the next level. I think he's raw. I think he's unrefined. I think there's going to take some time for him to, you know, we know that for the tight end position in general, but I like Likely's athleticism and upside more than a guy like McBride because I do think his ceiling is higher. I think McBride offers a safer floor, higher higher ceiling, you know, I mean higher floor than than ceiling, but I just think Likely is a guy who, if, I, if we look back in three years, four years, and say there was an impact tight end in this class, I think Likely could be the guy that is, and if it's not Likely, I think it could be Jeremy Ruckert because I think Ruckert got stuck in a situation at Ohio State, that the receivers were so good year after year that they just didn't need to ask Rucker to be this major part of the offense in terms of his pass catching ability. And I'll tell you what happened. Because they didn't need him to be a good pass catcher and be an integral part of the offense, he really developed his blocking techniques and his blocking game and holding the point of attack. That it went from an area that I was very concerned with to now when I when I look at his game, I think Ruckert is a guy who has improved himself to be a functional blocker at the next level in terms of his effort, in terms of his uh, blocking techniques. I think he's a guy now who has improved in that. So rather than being a complete uh, unknown or a, a guy that you don't feel you can trust in line. I think now he is a guy who can play in line. He's got the size and frame for it, but I think there's a lot of untapped athleticism upside. And I'm not saying he's going to be this, but we always use this as the guy, right? Who George Kittle wasn't used at Iowa very much, but there was all this untapped athleticism and upside and pass catching ability. And Rucker is not going to be George Kittle. He's not going to have that NFL success. But I do think you can use the idea and the concept of George Cato, a guy who wasn't asked to do a lot in his college career as a pass catcher, to look at a guy like Ruckert and say there's a lot more than what he showed on film. And he's one of those few guys where I feel really comfortable saying I think he's going to be a better pro than he was college player. The Ohio State wide receivers have been and are elite, elite level college prospects. They get open at will. So the quarterback is going to read his first two, three reads are going to be the Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave and Smith Najigba and all these guys. So how often were they going to come off of those three guys to find option four or five, depending on if there was any other receivers on the field in Jeremy Rucker? The, the, the reality was not very often. So I think Ruckert is lack of production is hindering what 
draft Twitter and analytical people are going to say about him because he just didn't deliver. But, you know, another perfect example to use, Dawson Knox. Dawson Knox, and I think that's a great comp for, for Ruckert in terms of what he could turn into. Dawson Knox at Ole Miss was stuck behind elite level wide receivers, right? DK Metcalf, AJ Brown, you know, other guys that were there that were the focal points of that offense. But Knox had a good athletic profile, very little production, became a good blocker because of how much he was asked to do that. And now we've seen Dawson Knox develop into a really good, solid, functional NFL starter. His pass catching game now is his came around. He's, he's a solid blocker. I think Ruckard, you look at a guy like Dawson Knox, and I think that is a guy that you could hope that Ruckard kind of aspires to be. A guy who didn't get much production in college, but the ceiling is much higher than it was based on that college film. I would take Ruckert or likely before I would take Trey McBride. I know that's a hot take. I know it's probably close to 0% chance of happening in the NFL draft based on everything I'm hearing. When you see the draft projections notebook come out in April, I'm sure you're going to see Trey McBride's name as the first one because that's not my take. That's what I think is going to happen. And all signs are pointing to Trey McBride being tight end one. I think it could change a little bit with the combine. I think that's the caveat. He runs a 4.75 or 4.8. Maybe we, the narrative on Trey McBride starts to slightly change a little bit, open the door up for a Ruckert or a Likely or a Widemeyer to maybe potentially leapfrog him in that regards. But for me, I would prefer Ruckert. I prefer Widemeyer. I prefer Likely. I think they're upside, they're ceiling, and that's what I'm shooting for. If I want solid, functional, high floor, fine. McBride's my guy. But I think the other guys offer a higher ceiling, higher athletic profile, higher pass catching upside. Those would be the guys that I would be going to. So those are the guys that make up my tier two. If we take this over to tier three at the tight end position, these are guys that we think are round four, round five selections. In terms of dynasty rookie drafts, we think they're late round three to round four dynasty rookie picks if they're more of a receiving tight end. They possess several average traits to contribute in the passing game and are or are at least functional as a blocker, or they display functional receiving capabilities and are above average to good blocking capabilities. This is what I kind of said before. I don't think we're ever going to see the blocker and that in terms of that's his calling card, go as a tier two guy in day two. I think they're more of this category, right? A good blocking tight end who's functional pass catcher. You're going to see them go off the board in round four, round five. I think that's the sweet spot for guys like that, even though they might not have much fantasy value, which is why morphing the tight end tiers in terms of film analysis, NFL draft projection, and, and dynasty sometimes become very hard, right? Because what we want from our tight end in fantasy could be very different than what an NFL team wants from their tight end. So for me, in my tier three, if we go back to some prospects, the guys that I have in tier three are Greg Dulcich out of UCLA. He made a name for himself at the Senior Bowl. I thought he was one of the more productive tight ends there. Really good pass catching tight end. Uh, really productive in college. I think he's a guy who could go the early part of day three. Wouldn't even be surprised if I'm gonna. If, I'll say it right now, if I was gonna say who's a, who could potentially be a tier buster, a tier riser, I think Dulcich could push his way into the mix with those other guys that I talked about as potentially being a guy who comes off the board mid to late round three because of his pass catching upside. Uh, his athletic profile, his movement skills, his separation ability. I like Dulcich and what he can bring as a pass catcher at the next level. Next up in that tier is Charlie Collar out of Iowa State. I think this is a guy who last year, all throughout, not the season that just passed, the season prior, but the season before that, 
you know, Kolar was looked at as a guy who maybe was going to declare last year. Some people thought he could be a day two pick. I think the writing now is on the wall that maybe he was never as highly regarded in NFL circles as maybe what draft Twitter thought of him and and people who who do the, the analysis and put that out there early. Kolar is a guy who, similar to McBride, see, I don't see this massive talent gap between Trey McBride and Charlie Kolar, which is why I had such a hard time with people saying Trey McBride is a late one to early round two pick and Kolar is a date three pick. To me, McBride should be somewhere, you know, early to mid round three, maybe late round three, and then Kolar should be like a half a round to a round later. I don't think there's this big talent disparity between these. I think they both are similar in, in terms of their size, their frame, how they win. They, they create space at the catch point with, their, with that strength and physicality and their play strength, you know, they're good contested catch guys, you know, they're, they're functional route runners, but they, they lack the athleticism and separation quickness to be a big impact in terms of attacking the seam and stuff like that. They could be a good, you know, chain mover in terms of a reliable guy on third down to get the first down. But I, I don't think there's this massive gap between Kolar and McBride that so many other people do, you know, so Kolar is a guy who I think should go somewhere on round four, especially if all these other guys are going round two or round three. I don't think he should fall much further than that. So Kolar is, is, is my second name in my tier parade. And then two other guys I have in this are one Grand Calcaterra out of SMU, formerly of Oklahoma, a two-year gap there when he retired, and then Jake Ferguson out of Wisconsin. You know, Grant Calcaterra is an interesting one because if he never leaves college football and retires due to the concussions and he stays at Oklahoma and, you know, what that could have meant for him, I think he could have had a real chance to be a, a day two guy, a guy who is not really looked at at all as, as a blocker and mostly just a tight end in name, but really is just a slot receiver or a move tight end or something like that. But I do like Calcaterra's game. I like his athletic profile. I like his ability at, at the at the catch point. I like his ability to adjust and high point the football. Obviously he doesn't have tight end size. He's not going to be a guy you could ask to do much in terms of his blocking or holding the point of attack. Uh, but there's a lot to like about his pass catching ability and his athletic upside that Calcaterra is a guy who, you know, he's going to go much later than, you know, he's going to go around four, probably even round five, but he's going to be a guy that I just kind of want to keep tabs on because I think, the trajectory of his career and where he's his stock is right now could have been very different if there wasn't that gap, if there wasn't that retirement, if there wasn't the transfer to SMU, because he really is a guy that, you know, if you think back to a guy like Dallas Clark, right. And when I first saw Grant Calcaterra years ago, that was the guy who I first came to my mind was a guy like Dallas Clark in terms of how, you know, Peyton Manning and the Colts offense used him. I thought Calcaterra could have been a guy like that. And obviously a lot has happened since he first broke on the scene years and years ago, but I do like Calcaterra's game a lot. He'd be a guy that I'd take a shot on somewhere in round four, around five for that pass catching upside. I think you could do a lot with him. So many teams do two tight end sets. They want that blocker type, but they want the pass catching weapon. I think Calcaterra could be that pass catching weapon. So he's in my, my tier three. And then rounding out my tier three is Jake Ferguson out of Wisconsin. I think he's more of a round five type guy, but I'll say what I like. I'll say one thing about Ferguson. I never was as high as, as him as like the draft Twitter community was about a year and a half, two years ago. But Ferguson is a guy that's just pretty solid across the board. And I think that has a lot of value for a guy who could be a number two tight end, a round four, round five pick. He's a functional, uh, you know, pass blocker. He can hold the point of attack. He can play in line. He can do some H back stuff with him. I think he's a, 
a functional, you know, route runner, pretty good at the catch point, you know, good length and catch radius. So there's a lot to like about Ferguson's game is just kind of a well-rounded, balanced tight end who can, you know, who can be serviceable at just about anything you ask him to do. So I think that has value in terms of his draft stock. So I could see him going somewhere on round five. If we then take this to my tier four, then tier four is guys that we look at are late round guys. So round six, round seven, and then some UDFA guys. You know, again, what the NFL is looking for in their tight ends late in the draft is very different than what a somebody like myself is doing, which always has a little bit of an eye towards fantasy. You know, it's just different, right? So we're looking for some pass catchers, some athletic traits. You know, what the NFL is looking for is they need tight end twos and tight end threes, and they need blockers, and they need people on special teams and stuff like that. So there's always going to be a little bit of a disconnect, I think, with what draft Twitter is looking at in terms of tight end prospects and what the NFL is. So I think some of these guys could, you know, could definitely be guys who are early round six. Maybe they even sneak into round five but probably round six type guys that other guys that I would say classify more as round seven guys. Some guys might not even get drafted in terms of fantasy. These are probably watch list guys in, in deep dynasty rookie leagues. I mean, deep dynasty rookie drafts. Maybe you get them on a team, put them on a practice squad, pick them up as a free agent. They're a depth player. They possess some average traits that could contribute to a team's passing game or it's running game. Uh, and this is also could have some guys that we, including here that might have some limited exposure to make a true determination, just not a lot of film based on what we have available. So the guys that are in this tier for me consist of Cole Turner out of Nevada, Kate Odden out of Washington, Brand Keith out of Utah, Jelani Woods out of Virginia, Will Mallory out of Miami, Derek Deese Jr. out of San Jose State, Peyton Hendershot out of Indiana, and Daniel Bellinger out of San Diego State. Let me start at the bottom of that list. I think guys like Bellinger and Hendershot, I think those guys, and I'll even put in Derek Deese uh, Jr. from San Jose State, I think those guys are probably late round seven or priority free agents. Bellinger's more of a blocking tight end. Payne Hendershot has had some issues off the field uh, and, and seen his stock really decrease over the last couple of years. Uh, Derek Deese Jr. has got some intrigue to him, but coming from a small school like San Jose State. So I think those guys are probably late round seven priority free agent types, unless the team really you know values Bellinger's blocking capabilities and then maybe goes a little bit higher. The other guys in that, I could see them all being round six guys, to be honest with you. And I wouldn't even be surprised, you know, if some guys there potentially jump up and could be round five guys. You know, if we start with Cole Turner out of Nevada, you know, he's an interesting guy that I think, you know, good size at 6'6". His frame, he could add some more to his frame, you know, while he's 6'6". He's only 240, so he, he definitely needs to put on some muscle and put on some weight there. But, he's you know, good athleticism and movement skills, the speed, the quickness. He can attack the seam vertically down the field. Uh, he's versatile. He can line up in line a little bit, but I, I think there's some, you know, limitations in terms of how much blocking you want him to do. You can put him in motion. You can put him, you know, detached. You can put him out wide, you know, and, and run like a jump ball to him as a receiver. I like the body control and ball skills. Uh, shows the ability to high point and adjust to the football. Obviously, great length and catch radius. He lacks explosiveness out of the break still. There's some route refinement. To me, like I said, he's a day-free guy. Uh I think he probably goes round six. Would I be stunned if he goes round five? No, I wouldn't. Uh, next up in this tier is Kate Auden out of Washington. Now, Auden is an interesting player who, you know, I think you've seen him really high on tight end ranks. You've seen him in the middle. You've seen him kind of fall back a little bit. He's another guy, six foot five, two forty one. Very similar, I think, to Cole Turner. Like great size, could add more to his frame. 
uh, good athleticism, movement skills and separation quickness, good, you know, good body control, catch radius with the ability to high point adjust to the football, very good hands, above average to good route running, understanding of route concepts. So to me, a guy like Kate Auden is another guy like Cole Turner that would I be stunned to see them go on day, you know, early portion of day three, like round four, round five? No, not at all. But but the way I have this broken down is I I, I kind of think even the top four guys shouldn't go more until round three. Now, I'm sure McBride's going to slide into round two, but I think he's probably going to be the only one definitively that goes in round two. So I think all those other ones start to come off the board in round three, and then some more start to come off the board in round four. But are we going to have this mass, you know, crazy exodus of tight ends going off the board in round four and round five where we see eight or nine of them go? I'm not sure. So that's why I wanted to keep some of them in tier three, and then some of these guys at the top of my tier four. But I do think some of these guys at the top of tier four could definitely push their way into that round four, round five mix. These first two guys, Cole Turner and Kate Auden, are definitely, if they test well at the combine, they will be two of my tier jumpers that, would, that without a doubt, will jump into that tier with the Dulcich and Kolar and Calcaterra and Ferguson. I could easily see Cole Turner and Kate Auden. I think their athleticism is good and their speed and their movement skills, but I want to see it apples to apples comparison at the combine. And I can see those two guys jumping up into that tier four mix for sure. Uh, Brand Keat is a really interesting one because he's not a tight end. He's just a tight end by name, but he's a guy who the athletic profile is really intriguing. A couple of years ago, I thought this guy maybe could be a day two pick just based on the athleticism and the mismatch profile that he could have matched up with linebackers or safeties. Uh, you know, he obviously battled some injuries. But Keith is a guy very athletic. Uh, if you are exclusively looking for a pass catching guy, I think he's a guy who can kind of fit that mold, uh, you know, in, in terms of being that, you know, and I don't, there was talk last year that, you know, that he was maybe going to come out last year uh, and he didn't end up coming out last year, uh, you know, but obviously, you know, he goes back to school and I, I don't think his, you know, level of, uh, his play warranted being pushed up the up the board, but I do think he's a guy that is going to garner some intrigue. Whether it's in training camp, whether it's rookie mini camp, whether it's preseason, I think he's a guy that has a certain type of skill set that is definitely going to be intriguing. Let I'll say this. If you liked Kyle Granson at all last year, I don't see how you completely pushed it aside. You know, Keith, because I do think they're comparable players. And I remember last year when I thought they were both going to come out for the 2021 NFL draft, I had them very close in the rankings. And I was a Granson fan. And there was a lot of buzz of Granson early in, you know, mini camp and training camp and then never materialized this year. But I do think there's a lot of athleticism that can be used. I mean, Granson and Keith are guys that, you know, college teams were like using on jet sweeps and end the rounds and stuff like that. You can do stuff with Keith like that, just like Granson was as well. So he intrigues me too. He's another guy that if he really had an amazing combine, I wouldn't be surprised if Turner, Auden, and Keith could potentially jump their way into that round four, round five mix, more round five, but it would be in my tier three. And then, you know, uh, Jelani Woods, uh, Will Mallory, those are guys who I think are probably definitely ticketed for round six, round seven. I think Jelani Woods, you know, was an interesting, you know, uh, participant down at the Shrine Bowl uh, out, in Vegas, out in Vegas. He was a guy that was getting a lot of publicity. A lot of people were intrigued by him. Really good size, frame, uh, 
you know, above average athleticism, good at the catch point. You know, he's a guy that I could see if he tests better at the combine than maybe people think he could even be a little bit of a riser as well. So those are kind of the guys that make up my tier four, similar to the quarterback position. If I was going to look at this and say, okay, who can be some jumpers? I've kind of given you some of them, right? If anybody from tier one was to make a jump up, I would say unless McBride really surprises me with his athletic testing, I don't see anybody in tier two that will warrant a jump up to tier one for me. And that tier one member is a guy who I think warrants going round one or early round two. I don't see it. To me, likely in Rucker, no matter how good they test, and I think they'll test good, there's question marks about both of them. Likely coming from Coastal Carolina, Rucker for the lack of production. So I don't see any of those guys warranting that. Weidemeyer, I think at this point he is who he is. I don't think he can do anything that really – uh, completely changes my, I like him a lot. He's my tight end one right now. You know, he's right there. You know, there's a razor thin margin. You can almost say it's one, a one B one C and one D for me. And I think there'll be movement within these top four guys for me, as I see how they perform at the combine, find more film on these guys and dig in a little bit deeper. Uh, but McBride's the guy that maybe there's this athleticism that I'm just not giving him credit for. And if he goes out there and runs like a four, six or something, and I'm thinking it's going to be a four, seven, four or a four, seven, seven or something like that. And he's a lot faster than I, than I think he is and more athletic then maybe he can warrant, but I don't see a, a tier two guy jumping into tier one. I will say, like I mentioned before. I could see a scenario where Greg Dulcich jumps from tier three into that tier two mix and makes it a five tier uh, two for me. Cause I do like Dulcich pass catching game. I like his athleticism. I like his movement skills. I could see him being a guy that is definitely a riser in this process. And then, as I said before, if there's anybody from tier four who I think are round six, round seven, or priority free agents who can jump into that round four, round five mix, I think it's Cole Turner, Cade Auden with an outside chance at Brand Keat. But I think Turner and Auden would be the two guys who I could see if they test better than I think. Uh, and I think they're going to test fine. But if they really surprise me with their testing numbers, I could see them, you know, maybe pushing their way more into the early day free mix than the late day free mix. So rather than round six, round seven, maybe round four, late round four, somewhere on round five, I could see Turner, I could see Auden. Unless Keith really blows away the combine and the team's really looking for that particular player, just like last year with Kyle Granson, I don't see him going in the first four rounds, but maybe he can push his way out of tier four for me into the lower part of tier three based on that athleticism and pass catching upside. So there it is, guys, my 2022 tight end tiers. Uh, remember, guys, this is the second part of a four-part series here at Saturday to Sunday where we put all these guys in tiers. I will circle back to these guys. I will let you know about tier jumpers and movement within my tiers uh, throughout the pre-draft months for sure, especially maybe after the combine. We do a small episode just talking about jumpers and movers from the combine after we get some of that or after I go back to the film from something I saw at the combine. Obviously, before the draft, I'll do my final rankings, final tiers. If you're someone who gets the premium notebooks, you will see all these updates in real time as I make them. Uh, right now, you even see already the quarterback tiers are in there. The tight end tiers are in there. As I do the podcast episodes for the running back tiers and the wide receiver tiers, I will add them to the tab as well. A lot of movement will be in my tiers and in my rankings as we move forward in these pre-draft months. So again, if you missed the first episode in the Tier Buster series on the quarterbacks, please get over to that, watch that. Hope you enjoyed this tight end one. Next week, be wide receivers and running backs before we turn our attention to the NFL Combine back in full effect this year. Looking forward to that. 
If you are a fan of what we're doing here at Saturday, Sunday, please, again, I continue to urge you, uh, really, we need it and it helps us out significantly. If you're a longtime listener, you enjoy the podcast, you want to stick around and continue to be here year after year, uh, we hope that you consider purchasing the premium notebooks. Get over to the website, ssfootball.com. is the quickest and easiest way to get there. Check on the premium content tab. For $9.99, you get access to all our premium content. You get access to the 2022 scouting notebook immediately. All our scouting reports on close to 100 prospects uh, separated in tiers of guys who declared, guys who did not declare. Uh, basically, it's an offensive skill position draft guide at this point strengths, functional areas, developmental areas, NFL projection and role, uh, how they win, fantasy spin, all that stuff. You get that. You get the rankings notebook immediately, which has all my draft rankings, all my tiers. Uh, It'll have my 2022 Dynasty rookie rankings 24 hours after the NFL draft. Uh, It'll have my 2021 Dynasty rookie rankings still being updated as they enter the offseason for year two. It'll have our Debbie rankings, and it'll have our positional uh, Dynasty overall rankings as well, not just our rookie rankings. And then in April, you get access to the draft projections notebook. You know, 300 to 400 players in there. Quick snapshot of who they are, how they win, some developmental areas, all their combine measurements, and separate in the tiers. This is offense and defense, not just offense, offense and defense in terms of how I expect it to go on draft weekend from everything I'm hearing. So like I mentioned before, on that list right now, Trey McBride would be number one. For me right now, he's not. But on the draft projections notebook from everything I'm hearing, reading, and listening, he for sure would be number one because that sounds like the way it's going to happen as of now. And then obviously a lot can still change. And then obviously there will be tabs for me projecting who I think should be the who I think will be the top 32 picks, who I think will be the, the top whatever it is, 100 picks in the first three rounds, and then projecting who I think will be taken for every pick in the NFL draft by position. It is a great resource to have on draft weekend. Uh, anyone who ever checks it out is a big fan of that product. So that's the third notebook that you get. And that one will be released sometime in April. You get all of it for $9.99. It is the best way to support the show. Uh, if you've purchased it in the past, we please consider purchasing it again. If you've never checked it out, but you've been longtime listeners and fans of Saturday Sunday, please consider purchasing it for the low, low cost of $9.99. You get access to all that stuff and you tremendously help us out to be able to continue to bring this podcast to you as often as we do and provide all the coverage that we do for you. So on behalf of Matt and Jeff, on behalf of our sound tech engineer, David Nicano, and myself, thank you for joining us. I look forward to next time taking you from Saturday to Sunday.